Vel come tu igli neurosis. Tropical flower You cut like a thorn And I can't speak Words about you, baby You look like a Welcome into Weekly Neurosis, I'm Nate. I'm Ethan. And this is the light episode. Yep. Which could mean a lot of different things, but... This light, week, L-I-G-H-T. Versus Miller, L-I-T-E, or natural, L-I-G-H-T. Yeah. What? What? No. But this is the, the light episode. A pretty interesting um, episode this week, because we, we're reviewing a movie we've wanted to see for a really long time, mm-hmm. and that is Lights Out, the new... Well, not new... New-ish. New-ish, several weeks old uh, horror film. And the album of the week is Black Atlas, Haunted Paradise. Mm-hmm. So darkness, light. Yeah. And then our beer of the week is... Fits perfectly. Uh, fits perfectly. And it's a beer I've never... will Like, I don't want to say willingly, but I should say knowingly drank. Okay. I don't think I... And I believe this will be a, a new hit for me on Untapped. And this also, by the way, is not something... You would probably no. Most people who are, have been listening to us probably wouldn't think this is a beer we would drink. They're gonna be like, "What? No!" But it is uh, natural light. Natural light, aka natty light. Frat water. Frat water. Brought. You can get a keg of this for like fifty bucks. Yeah, I got a four pack of Tall Boys for two ninety nine. I'm just gonna drink mine straight out of the can because why even go through the struggles of pouring it? You're pouring it into. I'm a, gonna. Yeah, I have a. I have a four mm-hmm. solo cup. Basically, is what this is. So yeah, so natural light. To me, this beer tastes like a basement at college. It's a light beer. It tastes like pretty much yeah. nothing. I know it has a reputation for being god awful and gross. And on Beer Advocate, the website we often talk about here, it has a forty-seven, which is Eek. awful. And from the bros, the official reviewer folks, it has a thirty-seven, which is awful. This is a four point two percent alcohol by volume. Here and I'll read the uh, description they have here on. Uh, <laughs> and so, natural light is brewed with a blend of premium American and imported hops and a combination of malt and corn. Its longer brewing process produces a lighter body, fewer calories, and an easy drinking character. Yeah. So, I mean, this is pounding light beer. I mean, this is basically one step removed from water. Pretty much. I mean, and, and like you said, this is a beer that in college you would have. Not one, not two, but ten cups worth of or something that you could just go through and go through and go through. And I will be the, the, the person who defends a beer like this because it has this reputation for being the grossest thing ever. But it just, there's so little to it. No, it has very little, like, not a whole lot of smell other than the typical, you know. Light vegetable I'm, I'm pretty, light yeah, beer I'm pretty smell. sure if you just boiled hops and corn and 
and all that in a in a pot. It would a very small like amount of that, and then throw in like a half a cup of vegetable oil. <laughs> yeah, there's really nothing to there's it. There's nothing to it, and like you said, this is a this is a pounding beer. Yeah, it's not offensive. It's not. I don't. I've never drank this and been like, "Ew, this is gross." Yeah, I mean, it's not. And I guess I kind of had the perception that it was somehow gross, but as long as it's cold, yeah. If it's yeah, it's a warm yeah. would be a, a bad track. I can I can get the feeling. Mm-hmm. But again, I I don't see anything wrong with this. I mean, I guess yeah. maybe you might get a little more of a hangover if you drink. Yeah, because this will this will dehydrate you quicker if you're drinking a lot of it because you're drinking if you if you're say partying and you're drinking to the point of excess to the point where you want to be intoxicated. You have to drink a lot more of this than you would, say, if you got, like, uh, uh, you know, pretty much any craft beer, even something that's only 5 or 6% alcohol. But when you're talking IPAs, you get up to, or double, triple, anything, Imperials of anything, you're talking 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and up percentage. And up last week it was 13. Yeah, and so. this is 4.2%. Yeah. It's natural so light. You, you have to drink a lot of it mm-hmm. to do the trick. And, and actually... It is very clear. Oh, yeah. I'm just sorry. I'm not, I don't have a clear glass like usual. Yeah, I'm just drinking it out of the can, but I've seen it in a glass before, and it is, I mean, it looks like any other light beer. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, yeah. I, this is way, this is not, honest to God, this tastes no different to me than, like, Miller Lite or Bud, I'm sure major Bud Light, Coors Light, Miller Lite folks are going to be like, whoa, 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 but. Did no, you know that this is one of the top 10 selling beers in the country? Oh, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. And, yeah, I'm figuring probably Budweiser, Bud Light. Coors Light, Miller Light, yeah, Natural Light, Bush. Oh, what's the? Because I know there's Bush Light, and then there's a Bush. Is it just the, Bush? They have there's a regular Bush, and then there's like a Golden. Let's see here. Top ten selling beers. I'm looking. I'm looking. What did I do? I just named off like six. Okay, I have the list then. Okay, so what are the top? All right, so 10 from beers? ten to one. So I'll start at number ten and go up to number one. Keystone Light. Oh, yeah. Is number 10. Number 9 is Bush. Number 8 is Miller High Life. Number 7 is Bush Light. Number 6, Natural Light. Number 5, Michelob Ultra Light. Number 4, Budweiser, regular Budweiser. Miller Light is number 3. Coors Light is number 2. And Bud Light is number 1 by an ex- by a, l- a huge margin. Yeah. Bud-, Bud Light, I mean, is, is is way more than even Coors Light, which is... I've got to think also, too, Bud Light has got to be one of the most advertised beers. Well, it is the... I think I read somewhere that for every two beers consumed in the world, one of them is a Bud Light. Oh, my God. That's how popular it is. Wow. So, yeah. That's insanity. But, yeah, yeah this, well, is not, this is not bad. You know, people think it's like, beer. oh, it's got an off flavor and... No, it's, it's light just beer. regular old. If it's your thing, it's your thing, and that's great. This isn't a kind of beer I normally buy, but yeah. I thought it would be kind of fun to. Well, and do it something fits new. too. Natural light lights out black. But, but you know, at the same atmosphere. time, if I'm like, like if I'm going, if I'm going to be like outside, and the kind of general consensus is partying and fun, this is not a beer I would not. I would. I've purchased it before for that. Yeah. Since oh, I've been yeah. an adult after college, because it's like. Hey, give them out to people for free because it's cheap and people will drink it and just yeah yeah it's Natty. easy it's easy going natty bro natty bra <laughs> all right well that's the the beer of the week natural light and again new new hit for me on untapped so i'm pretty jacked up Please. so on to our definition of the word light um light is a noun it's the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible interesting um it is also number two the understanding of a problem or mystery 
uh, semicolon enlightenment. It can also be used as a verb um, to provide with light or lighting to illuminate. Um, it's also an adjective, having a considerable having a considerable or sufficient amount of natural light, not dark. Natural light of color, pale. That's kind of de- like I feel like that's the defin- that should be the definition of this beer. <laughs> natural light. It's even in the definition. Did I know. So, what does light mean to you, Ethan? Okay, well, the thing about light that, like, blows my mind, and ever since I first learned this when I was, like, in middle school or high school or whatever, it's just one of those things that blows your mind is that our eyeballs, everything we see is light. Every color we see is simply that surface's ability to reflect whatever pigment you can see. So light is literally all we see. We see the reflection of the elements that make up whatever thing we're looking at. So it's I was just sort of blown my mind that it's not necessary. I mean, light is sort of this abstract thing that has a wavelength, right? And different creatures can see different uh, gradients, I suppose, is, is what you could say of, of the light spectrum. And we know that there's more to see outside of what our eyes can pick up. And it's all and light is just sort of our, our way of. I guess we boil it down to, I think the movie Lights Out is a good way of showing how we just boil it down to literally lighting a room. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just it's just kind of fascinating to me how such a simple concept can be, it just explains so much. But then also I think it's cool that the word light can mean so many different things. Right. It's a very uh, expansive word, and that's pretty key. It is. Excuse me. And yeah, for me, it's, I mean, I kind of, uh, to piggyback off what you said, the whole sight thing is really interesting and it is color. Uh, but then I also think, and I think I've talked about this on the show before, but like back in the day, like light was everything. Like you couldn't do things at night because it was dark. Mm-hmm. And we found, you know, if you think of it, if someone were to come ahead to, well, probably longer than that, like four or 500 years to today, they'd be blown away because we have like lights. and Artificial light. Artificial lights mm-hmm. and stuff. So kind of thought about that it's kind of true but you're right it and i guess the definite the multiple different ways of using it are are kind of the the same thing it's very expansive and like you said it is everything and it's it's kind of almost one of those 360 degree words yeah i think it's kind of the core of how i at least understand the word light is that it's it's bright i mean it's brightness it's something that's illuminating it's i always if i just close my eyes and somebody says the word light i picture like a bright you know, yellow, pale, something kind of light in the darkness shining. And I think that can be figurative too when people say like, you were the light of my life, something like that. (laughs) You know, so I think it's a, yeah, it's, it's cool and it's a positive word, I think. I think people prefer the light to the dark. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, it's great. Ties into the movie as well. And the album, I think. And the album. Because I think the album, while while I I normally, I picked it just because Haunted Paradise is the name of the album and I knew the movie was roughly about a haunting but I actually think the word light can maybe be described, can be used to describe the album because it is sort of a light album in some ways. Yeah. how it sounds. But we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. We'll dig. We'll dig into that. We'll dig. We'll dig. So on to our uh, high priority news items. We usually stuff the TV stuff up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Walking Dead, uh, the rumor mill has kind of be, began to turn. Uh, they revealed the band, brand new trailer at Comic-Con uh, in July. And now uh, producers are starting to give those infamous interviews letting um kind of letting off hints and a lot of chatter but um david alpert got some twitter reactions um after he was quoted as saying uh that the original comics have given us enough ideas um we want 
of, of where we want Rick Grimes to be. We already know where we want the where we want the show to to be in seasons ten, eleven, and twelve, and we're currently on season six. Yeah. So that shocked me even. Well, that's what I've been saying though. Like this show gets more and more popular every year. It's going nowhere yeah. unless they make a really. You know, I won't say a bad decision, but if they make a decision creatively that fans just loathe and people stop watching it, I don't think that's going to happen, though. Yeah. It's so popular. I think it's the most, it's got to be the most popular show on right TV. Right now, yeah. I, I, would I say mean, the I, most, like, in terms of dramatic programming. Yeah. And, I mean, the thing is, and where they're kind of heading it and the way the comics go, I mean, the comics get extremely because I've read the synopsis as I haven't read through the comics. Okay, so sorry. I'll interlude here. I don't watch the show, but I do read the comics. Yeah, they kind of drag on once they get to. Well, it's not really spoiling anything because it's the comics, but they get to no, they you... get captured in the comics. Okay, again, I don't watch the show. I kind of know what's going on though, because same with Game of Thrones. It's it's all spoiled for me, and it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to not see what's going on. The comics in the show have very little in common anymore. Yeah. A lot of the characters who are dead. In the comics, are alive in the uh, show, or dead in the show, alive in the comics, or a character like uh, who's the Daryl? He's not in the comics mm-hmm. even. Um, they, they, with the last season, they brought in Negan, who is an extremely popular character in the comics. Yeah. So that's a thread, but the circumstances are a little bit different Very from different. what I understand. So I even think these creators, these creators of the show, have basically said that yeah, we were plucking our ideas from the comics, but. You, they're it's different. Not there. I think the the quantity of seasons is kind of what shocked a lot of people oh, because twelve. Yeah. I don't. And the thing is, after I, even I'm starting to get a little bit worn out by it's almost the same story retelling itself every single season, and it's mm-hmm. it's just different names and places and forces, but they're always kind of in the same circle mm-hmm. over and over i, I have no i have honestly got it when i read that i said i have no idea and i get i get their creative people but i have no clue how you could possibly drag this out for six seasons i mean that's a lot well well if it's popular people will watch it regardless yeah. of quality i think i mean because the show that's reaches subjective. that yeah the, well, the re, it show, a show reaches a climax like that where people are fans that well and i think no, that's, no good reason. you that's sl- good. you look at some of the shows that are considered the greatest of all time and almost all of them are the shows that were given end dates or where the creators themselves said this is where the show ends. Um, you look at shows like The Wire, Breaking Bad, I will say Lost. They were given an end date with that. Those shows, I think, were strengthened by the fact that, hey, we don't need to keep coming up with side stories and this and that and coming up with new plots. We can kill characters. We can move forward because we know it's going to end. We have a place to end. But my fear with The Walking Dead and my fear with Game of Thrones uh, up until recently, because they've announced that that is coming to an end relatively soon. Um, but my fear with The Walking Dead is that, yeah, they're just going to keep going and going, and it's going to end on a low note versus a high note, which is if you really want to be a show people remember, you can't fizzle out. Yeah. doesn't work that way. Yeah. But six more, possibly six more seasons. Then again, they do say 10, 11, and 12, so maybe <sighs> four more seasons. What's the longest-running show, like dramatic um, like American oh. dramatic show in terms of, of like, because even with 12 seasons, I don't think it would be even as long as a lot of other shows because shows used to always run like, like the X-Files ran nine seasons and that yeah. was 20, but those were like 22, 24 episodes per season. When I know, um, and Walking Dead is only yeah. like 13, right? Yeah. I got this in a, in a trivia and I actually got it right. I remember it's not Battlestar Galactica because oh, Battlestar, no. they had breaks. They had like several that different That was only versions. like six seasons. The continuous running though. West Wing. 
Alias, Buffy, 24. I'm just naming shows I know we're on for a while. Longest, let's, let me Dude, no, look it up. I, wanna, I actually want, I'm very it, curious. <laughs> well, because if you look up longest running shows, you're going to find like talk shows that have been on since the beginning of time. It's it's hard to define exactly what you mean by show. Because then you look at something like The Simpsons, which has been on for like 27 yeah. years or something. It's older than I am. <laughs> and yeah, The Simpsons is number one. Okay. Uh, Gunsmoke on CBS ran for 20 seasons. Okay. Law and Order. Yeah, yeah. All 20. those. South Park 19, Lassie 17. Wow. Lassie? Law, Law and Order SVU Wait a minute, 17. Lassie like the dog? Yeah. Uh, CSI, the original, 15 mm-hmm. seasons, ER 15. Uh, the Benny or Jack Benny program. Oh, yeah, classic. Uh, the Adventures of Oz, Ozzy and Harriet, 14, Bonanza, 14, Dallas, 14. Man. So they wouldn't they wouldn't really be... Well, and even with that, those were all shows that probably had more than 12 or 13 episodes per season, too. Yeah. And even, like, Breaking Bad, even its last... Well, its last season was a little bit longer. It was, like, 16 episodes versus the normal 12. And, if, and now Netflix has sort of adopted that model, too, where their seasons are only 12, 13 is, episodes. I sound like a horrible fan by saying this, but is Mad Men over? Yes. So they, they ended. That ran seven seasons, but that had... Seven or eight, but that last season was split up into yeah, two they parts. Do that. But I mean, they they hit a home run. I thought with the Breaking Bad ending. Yeah, I thought so. You I know, like there's that. some hope. Yeah, well, we could talk about that. I like the ending to Breaking Bad, but I I think the show peaked before the end, but it still had a great ending. I agree. And I I, and I personally will stand by. I've said it before that I think the, the 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 series finale of Lost is incredible. I think there's a lot of general confusion about that show, and I think it's a show that works better on rewatches. Yeah. When you know what to expect. Yeah. Produced a, what, 30-some-hour podcast, too, for the Lost Specialized podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one podcast I, we had mentioned off-air before that. There was these two guys who every week for the last, like, four seasons of Lost would talk about each episode. And I think they're still on iTunes. I don't remember what they were called. But they would talk and talk and talk. And their, their like, season finale, or the series finale, the season six finale of Lost, the last episode ever their episode was like 36 hours long or something good god of just continuous talking which sounds amazing to me yeah like i would talk about lost for that long <laughs> yeah you probably could so anyhow when we come back we're gonna do our movie of the week lights out again our theme is light and you're gonna hear the trailer to lights out screaming screaming light switching dramatic. on and off yep actually i've seen the trailer well yeah then I feel like this was a trailer we saw a lot in the in the months of the movies we saw leading up to when it came out. Yeah. Because it was a very heavily and a well-advertised movie, I think. It's been out for four weeks now. Yeah. So this is its fifth week in circulation. So, yeah, I'm guessing, yeah, they do that at the beginning. There's the late girl flipping the light switch. And then dramatic music, screaming, <laughs> breathing. <laughs> yeah. All right. So anyhow. Uh, sounds from the trailer coming up next and movie of the week lights out weekly notice will be right natural back. light natural light every time I turn off the lights there's this woman waiting in the shadows I see her too Each one of us is being haunted 
by this thing. Mom? Hey, Martin, what's up? Did we wake you? What? A long time ago, I had a friend named Diana. And something really bad happened to her. Everyone is afraid of the dark. And that's what she feeds on. Show yourself. Welcome back into Weekly Neurosis. I'm Nate. I'm Ethan. This is Movie of the Week. Take yeah. it away, man. All right. So this movie is called Lights Out. All right. So the plot of this film, when her little brother Martin, when her little brother Martin thanks IMDb, who is she? I don't remember what her name was, but uh, when the main character's little brother Martin experiences the same events that once tested her sanity, Rebecca, there it is, works to unlock the truth behind the terror, which brings her face to face with an entity that has an attachment to her mother, Sophie. Ooh. Ooh. So this movie stars Teresa Palmer, Gabrielle Bateman, Mari- Mario Bello, Billy Burke, Alexander DePersia, and <laughs> Alicia Vella Bailey. <clears throat> so this movie is directed by David F. Sandberg. It was written by Eric Heiserer cinematography was done by Mark Spicer and the music was written and composed by Benjamin Wallfish. It was filmed entirely in Los Angeles, California, which makes sense that they didn't have to do a whole lot for filming here. And some extra notes here, some tidbits. Uh, The movie was based on a short film also done by director David S. Sandberg. The actress who starred in that original short version is also in this feature-length film. Also, the movie was an instant box office success and a sequel was greenlit during its opening weekend. Wow. So, and we've talked about it before how the movie has a $4.9 million budget and it's made like over a hundred million. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So Nate, what did you think about Lights Out? Well, I really like this movie. And again, I'll apply my horror movie scale to this film. The curve? The curve. But um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was entertaining. I thought they um, kept it fairly original. I mean, the story's been told before, but they do enough to really keep you interested. interested. Um, acting was, you know... Good for a horror movie. Some, I think that's some a question. big thing, though. Yeah, but um, that was that. It was good, and I thought the story was original enough, and they really kept you guessing all throughout the film, which I really liked. Played with space well in mm-hmm. terms of like you know cram space, open space. I'm a big, I have a big fetish for that in movies. But um, yeah, I I really enjoyed this actually. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it too. I think what for me made it stand out was that the that it was a more character based movie than I was expecting. And I think yeah. most movies like this are. And I don't I mean this is not this isn't Oscar winning stuff. This isn't like dramatically deep and I think the acting is definitely like twenty steps above most PG thirteen horror movies. None of it's mind blowingly good. But I thought it was very good. I think maybe the kid had a couple of on and off yeah. moments where he was Maybe overreacting a little bit, but uh, yeah, I thought this was it was really well paced. I think the movie kind of creates a really awesome villain, and it does a good job of giving you tidbits of background info on what this thing is, yeah. who it is, without giving you like that. M- most movies like this, like The Darkness, was one where they would Google ghosts in the desert, and then they would find a YouTube video that would explain everything. This movie didn't have that ridiculous moment. It was kind of peppered throughout, and it didn't overexplain things. And it didn't under-explain things, but it also gave me enough that I was like, okay, in the, wor- in the world of this movie, I'm along for the ride. I totally buy 
the situation and how the characters are reacting. Yeah, and I, I that totally clicked kind of a, a thing in my mind. They because the, the movie is extremely short too; it's an yeah. hour and twenty one minutes. Mm-hmm. But they paced it. Yeah, I agree, really well. And I like I guess the way they they use kind of the background information when you compare it to a film like The Darkness, where you're just kind of like they just inserted this computer yeah. stock footage. They did a good job with that, but and also sounds where they mm-hmm. did a really good job of creating scares from sounds throughout the film too, which was uh, again pretty positive. Right. This is a you know a PG thirteen horror movie, and I think if I don't want to go too much negative here, but I think in a lot of ways it is typical. But again, those the characters that I I genuinely cared about at least on some level really carried this through, and also yeah, that kind of you know you could argue that the what the ghost is and how it can't be, and it's not a spoiler, that it, you can, it only can be in the darkness and not in the light. Um, that's kind of a gimmick, I suppose, but it's used to a decent effect, and there's a couple of really cool scenes. But I think one character I'll point to that really kind of right at the beginning of the movie let me know, know that this wasn't just going to be dumb people doing dumb crap was the boyfriend character. Mm-hmm. Because you see him with Rebecca. You, I don't remember what his name was, unfortunately, but but you see them together in her apartment, And he's got longer, dirtier, kind of unkempt hair. He's got tattoos and he's got like a, you know, a silver chain on. I think she says he's in a band. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to meet you. Like in in his first couple lines, you're talking about, you want to go good. They're like laying naked in the bed and stuff. It's like, okay. My first thought was like, okay, so this is the dumbass boyfriend guy who just wants to have sex and he's going to be annoying and he's going to get killed. And, but he actually. They pretty they established right after that that no this dude's a pretty good guy mm-hmm. and I was like oh okay Which is I, unusual I for, don't want, yeah. I don't want to see this dude although he's in a movie that it absolutely could possibly happen in and that was just kind of an early indication that you know what these characters even though they're simple they're sort of archetypes we've seen before they're treated with enough care that I was like okay I want to see these people make it through and that was the the thing for me that kept this going yeah and and again yeah it was. I didn't even I didn't even really think about that because normally because I remember at the end of when we saw the movie I was like oh yeah you know and he just I don't want to spoil anything but that's true yeah, you're, yeah. You're, that's another guessing game because you're totally expecting with those add on characters you know you know what's going to happen sure and and you know with the whole concept of the ghost only being able to be in the dark I think the movie did a reasonably good job of making like sticking to its own rules it created although. There's a couple times where they're creeping around with like a flashlight where I'm like, well, what if she just like jumps up behind you? That That's my biggest knock on the film was that because technically speaking, if a light's, they, they don't, yeah. the, the entity never me, attacks him from the back. Yeah, I know. It does a couple times. Let's be real here. There's one scene, no spoilers, where she one of the characters is backing up into a corner and she doesn't realize there's a door behind her and you see it open silently and then she gets grabbed from behind. I mean, there, there, it does happen. So it, it, I guess it didn't bother me just because I'm kind of like, okay, if you're going to make me believe that there's this crazy ghost with this ridiculous backstory, like, if you're not going to totally be believable, I'm okay with it. Yeah, but they, they use the darkness piece of it to their to their advantage a lot because mm-hmm. I found myself, as they, like, panned across rooms, they very, because every, almost every scene in this movie in the second half is shot in dim. Yeah. lighting either that or total darkness mm-hmm. so they when even in the daytime series they really toy around with like darkness and and they, oh, yeah. they establish that very early on that any space that's dark she could be the demon could be in there so you're seeing these characters walk by these like dark patches even mm-hmm. and they toy with you and i thought that was genius 
Absolutely. Kind of laid that out. It kept you on the, the edge of. It kept me on the edge of my seat the, the whole movie. Where uh, whenever you saw a dark corner, they walked by a dark thing. I'm like, she's gonna jump out. Yeah. And they would play with that a little bit, where you th- would think something's gonna happen and it didn't, or it happened when you weren't expecting it. So yeah, they did. A, they did a good job with that. Definitely. And I and again, I liked how they were able to sprinkle kind of the backstory of what was going on here throughout the movie and mix it in with scary stuff because yeah, it's short, 81 minutes long. You're in, you're out. You have some decent characters. You got a cool enough villain. Um, Without spoiling it, I was really surprised with how they ended the movie. I thought it was pretty ballsy for a PG-13 horror movie. I thought they did something at the end that was uh, um, not what I was expecting. Definitely not. um, In a good way. Um, Yeah, yeah, it was just, it was was solid and entertaining, but negatives overall, it's just, it's... I, I feel like it's a small movie, right? Like there was all this press, all this advertisement, all this talk about this movie, and it's really kind of just a little tiny little horror movie. Yeah, it's, it's pretty. It's pretty simple right. when it comes down to it, you know. And it wasn't. Mm-hmm. They kind of advertised it as this like grandiose, like Amityville horror type, like mm-hmm. blow your face off special effects. One thing is the special effects, aside from the demon ghost. I don't think there's anything other than her that's CGI mm-hmm. in the whole film. And she's really basic. Oh, and she's, she's effective, a, a too. A black entity. A shadow with shadow. creepy eyes. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's I think that's really cool that they were able to uh to 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 make that a threatening villain without having to overexpose or tell you too much or bog down and make the movie 20 minutes longer with all like all these flashbacks and stuff you didn't really need that in this yeah but yeah overall it's but it, with all that it's, being said it's just it's basic it's just kind of there and, and and i while i think it's creative in some parts and i think it's better with its characters it's nothing new really mm-hmm. i mean there's I mean, even the movie darkness falls which was a horror film from like the early 2000s even had a similar villain that couldn't be in the light so i think maybe having seen that movie that Maybe took some of the the edge of the villain away from me, and I was kind of going like, "Okay, she's going to pop out here and here," and I was right most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was never sitting in this movie thinking like, "Okay, come on, this yeah. is stupid." <laughs> I was never bored. I never thought it was abhorrent. I, I I I was along for the ride. Yeah. So, what would you rate this though? If you had to give it a a one to ten, I'm going to give it a seven point five out of ten because um. Yeah, it's in so many ways this movie should have been just another throwaway PG-13 horror movie, but I think having better characters, a better focus on those characters and just a, just focusing on the scares and the atmosphere versus this stupid backstory that would had been the same as 100 other movies, it just excelled it up there and I thought it was great. This is a great movie for people who aren't into like extreme horror movies like R-rated Blood and Guts. This is like the perfect horror movie for people like that. Yeah. So I give it a 7.5. How about you? I'm going to give it a 7.2, very similar. Um, a lot of the same reasons I thought. And I, I, I too, one of the, my big positives that I had was that it's very approachable for a horror film. Mm-hmm. I think like we had a lot of teenagers in the, the, the showing that we saw, and by all means. And it's entertaining at the end of the day. Another one of those uh, good date night, quote-unquote, movies that you could go see. Mm-hmm. And I think this would work. It was fun seeing it in a crowded theater because people are jumping all over the place. And there mm-hmm. are jump scares in this movie, but they're not dumb jump scares. But it would also be fun to kind of watch alone or with your significant other or whoever or your family in a dark room because 
you know, if I were if I were watching this alone on like a Friday night in a dark room, I would definitely think twice before getting up and walking to the bathroom with the lights off. I'd be like, nope, not going to get gonna me, ghost. It. Yep. <laughs> I'm smarter than you. I'm turning the lights on tonight. Boom. No, good film. I enjoyed it. Entertaining. Mm-hmm. So on to our high priority news news items. The Rogue One full trailer, full tilt, mm-hmm. natural light trailer. No, it wouldn't be light, but it finally released. Um, and we watched it just before we came on air because I was supposed to watch it yesterday. I've seen it like 18 times. You've seen it like 18 times. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think the big thing for me when I saw it is that Darth Vader's in the end of it. Mm-hmm. Trailer spoiler. Yeah, if, yeah, that's not a spoiler. No, but um, what are your thoughts about it? Really? <laughs> I mean, I could talk about this thing for hours because it, it looks it looks great. We've and we've talked about Rogue One before and the possibilities it can bring forward. Winning. And this tra- <laughs> hashtag bro juice, <laughs> but um, this movie can it's going to bring so much to a to a very loved and and highly regarded era of a, a fictional universe and. It's, it looks like it's bringing new characters in new interesting ways. We're seeing the Death Star again, and it's going to add all things to that. Yes, we'll see Darth Vader again. It was finally good to see a glimpse of him, and, and hopefully that uh, quiets a lot of the confusion about where this movie takes place um, for some people who aren't as into it. And it just looks great. I think the thing that really stuck out to me in this trailer, though, was how gorgeous it looks. Yeah. And I think... Um, and Gareth, Gareth Edwards is the guy who directed this movie who did Godzilla. And, and like or hate that movie, one thing it, it it absolutely did well is it's a gorgeous movie. And this movie looks incredible. There's some extremely aesthetically gorgeous shots of the Death Star. Um, there's a, a really amazing shot of it silhouetting a sun. That looks incredible. There's a very interesting upside-down looking shot of the Death Star that is unlike anything we've ever seen before. It just looks gorgeous. It looks action-packed and epic I, i'm pumped you know i was excited before but now I'm, it's it's the movie i'm most excited to see the rest of the year i think yeah and i think for me obviously just seeing it the the previous trailers seemed a little less um how to say this like serious like they were kind of like fun love like not fun loving but like the fun side of star wars you know like the the you know lightsabers and laser well, beams and there was no this, light no, I th- mm. but this one i thought this one was just a little bit more like it, it kind of made it me think like okay this is a this is a legit star wars film right like i didn't get that before because then again you're playing around like 30 seconds so right because we had the teaser and then the, the sizzle reel before and uh i i do think even with a couple tidbits of humor which star wars is known for being humorous yeah with some of that thrown in here this still looks like the the most serious and darkest of the Star Wars movies. It's definitely leaning towards a war aspect, which is what they said it would be. Um, lots of action. We're we're getting all sorts of new tanks and starships and d- different looking stormtroopers with different weapons and stuff. So it's really going to add a lot. And I've heard some people kind of say that well, if all of the if if stormtroopers with black outfits or this ship or that ship, we, we didn't see those in the original Star Wars movie. So why are they there now? It's like, I think you have to be put it in perspective that if you watch that original Star Wars movie, you only saw a very small group of characters in a small number of places. I mean, we're talking about a, a whole galaxy here. We're seeing, we're, in this movie, we're seeing a tropical planet, and it just goes to figure that uh, the ruling, ruling power would have technology that's appropriate for each terrain, so that's going to differ from planet to planet. So if anything, giving us all these new tidbits is doing nothing but expanding it. And I think that's great. I think making this world even bigger just makes it more interesting. Yeah, totally. Looks great. 
It does. I'm the music, excited. Music is good in it too. Yeah, it's another thing. Epic, dude. Well, music's always good in Star Wars. Oh yeah. So it's oh. not like. But this is the first Star Wars movie that John Williams isn't doing the score for. Really? Mm-hmm. Alexandra Desplat is doing it, and I don't Desplat. think I don't think that was his music in the trailer. That's generally not the case. I don't think his score is probably done yet. But he is one of my favorite composers. So I, I'm happy he's doing it. I think he's awesome. He's a genius. He is. He's French and he's the best. Wee oui, wee. Oui. So on to our uh, By the Numbers, our weekly segment where we go over the top five grossing films in the United States of America on the Cajun Club, Stuart Modern Cinema. I'm leaving. I'm going to bring more energy to that next time. Um, I'm going to start screaming it. This is the top no. five. Top five. So um, number five this week was Bad Moms. Still sticking around. It was third last week. Uh, grossed a total of $11.45 million even. I don't know how that happened. Um, on a $20 million budget, it has made a total of $71.4 million. So this film is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Yes, sir. So it looks like the number four movie then last weekend was Jason Bourne in its third week, which made $13.6 million um, for a total domestic gross of $126 million on a $120 million budget. Done very well. Made a profit. Boom. Money. We're going to see Matt Damon killing more terrorists. Terrorists. And number three this week is the debut film, Pete's Dragon, uh, which grossed a total of $21.5 million in its very first week. Uh, that is its total on a $65 million budget. Yeah. You know what? I When I first saw... Okay, I, I, I kind of grew up with the original Pete's Dragon, and this movie's kind of gone under the radar a little bit, but I have, heard, I have heard nothing but like amazing things about and it. And I... I to to its credit, it could. I'm not saying it's a bad film by saying what I just said, but I right. I I saw a preview like the week it came out, and I was like, "Why?" You know, because I, I knew the, I knew the story, but I was like, "And Ben Ben Hur is another film. We'll get we'll get to that. That's a film yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah, just yeah, yeah. heard about. No, but with Pete's but, Dragon, apparently it's incredibly good. And I was kind of worried that when I first saw the trailer and I saw it was coming out, and I saw that oh the new like these other movies are top box office. I was like, "Oh, Pete's Dragon must have flopped." And I mean, it made $21 million, but its budget is only $65 million, which this is a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty small budget for Disney. Yeah. And uh, I'm very, I'm actually pretty interested in seeing this. So yeah. I bet you it'll make its, its money back. Maybe not domestically super easily, but I think it's going to be a win for Disney. And that small budget helps. And I, th- oh, yeah. I hope these studios learn that. Well, I think this is the future. I think you're going to start seeing a lot of like 60 to 100 being mm-hmm. the very peak you know, of, right. of films that they're really not sure of because, sure. I mean, we can go down the list, but there's been a lot of movies that have not done what they're supposed to do. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Oh, it's my turn, it's right? Your, I, yeah, I think I'm so. sorry. So number two is... Yeah, me confused. I was like, am I supposed to do that? I know, my bad. Supposed? All right, so number two, it's for in its first week, brand new release, was Sausage Party, the new uh, ridiculous-looking comedy animated movie. Um, from Mr. Seth Rogen and uh, other folks we're all aware of. It made $33.6 million on its opening weekend on a budget of of $19 million. I can't believe... I, I don't, first of all, I don't, I don't understand. I haven't obviously seen the film, but... It's gotten great reviews, too. It's got to be funny. People I mean, say it's great, although there's a lot of controversy coming out now about 
apparently the animators were treated quite poorly, and there's all this stuff going on behind the scenes because that's a tiny budget. Teeny tiny. Nineteen million for for an animated film. Right, but apparently the movie's great. Apparently it's hilarious and just as offensive and ridiculous as a movie called Sausage Party probably should be. Probably should be. <laughs> And uh, number one from Warner Brothers, Suicide Squad, is still the number one film in its second week. It grossed a total of $43.77 million, bringing its total gross to $222.8 million on a $175 million budget. Boom. And it's still cleaning house internationally. So I think internationally, the last time I checked, it was $242.5 million in addition to its domestics. So they're doing quite well. I think this is going to end up making more than Batman versus Superman. I think just overall, everything, I know you didn't care for the movie as much as me, but I just feel like overall this movie's been less negatively received by people. And I think that's maybe because after Batman versus Superman, people are, are more, they know what to expect. So it's not quite as jarring. But yeah, the movie's it's doing really well. It's really well, yeah. So Not sure it'll hit a billion, but uh, it's doing pretty well. A billion. So that's by the numbers. Lots of monies. Lots of monies. What's coming out next week that's big? There's got to be big movies. Ben Hur, that's going to flop. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just heard. That's such a, an epic story, and I just, just heard about it, and I was oh, like, I, I saw the trailer like three months ago. It looks terrible. Glad too. It's being, it's believed that it might be the biggest flop of the year, because it's like over a $100 million budget, and nobody's going to go see that. Yeah. Nobody's going to go see that. No, I mean, it's a story... I mean, I, most people could probably relate to it, but then again, it's like most people hear Ben-Hur and they're like, come again? You know? It was a, I mean, the original Ben-Hur is, is, was a huge movie when it came out. Yeah. I mean, it was very popular. It was controversial. It was extremely well-received. It was in for like 12 Oscars. I believe it has, it has tied with the most number of wins in Oscar history with Titanic and the third Lord of the Rings movie. But I just don't think it's a, a story that's necessarily remained popular. And even more so than that, like, I think this is a movie you could have sold to audiences easily. But they didn't. Yeah. And you would think a movie with this big of a budget and this many big actors in it, that they would push it more. <laughs> well, this, I mean, this is a, I said I just saw it a week ago. You saw it three weeks ago. This is a oh, type I saw of it movie. months ago. I saw yeah. it months ago. You need to, like, shove this film down people's throats and, like, yeah push like lights out the movie of the week they pushed this film hardcore right. they advertised the bejesus out of it and it worked the advertising pro- probably costs more than the movie for oh, lights easily out. easily but i guess maybe with ben-hur they've seen a lot i'm sure it's been in development for years and, and with ben-hur it is a biblical story and that's fine but i think if you look at the box office trends for movies that are based on bible stories they have not fared well i know that the last major major one that was released with a big budget was uh exodus gods and kings ridley scott film which tanked hardcore and that was a huge budget but there have been where i think a lot of these movies have been successful is there's there was a number of faith-based movies earlier in the year i believe the young messiah was one god is not dead too a lot of movies like that had very modest small budgets because they were kind of aware of you know they were shooting for the, the 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 crowds they were aiming for, but something like this is maybe asking a little bit too much in a day and age where blockbusters are so huge and so many of them, maybe kind of a swords and sorcery type deal. <laughs> I, I don't like swords and sorceries, but they, this is that sort of you know, bib that that desert epic 
thing that it's yeah. just not a popular genre anymore. No, it's not. Yeah. But um, coming out, out this week, uh, Ben Hur War Dogs, the War Dogs. Uh, Todd well, Phillips blanking out directed no, it. I remember that. But with who are the actors? It's got Miles Teller and Jonah Hill. Yep. That looks great too. Maybe, maybe we'll see. But then uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh, that looks amazing. Matthew King, McConaughey's first animated film. King King Slave's Final Fantasy Fifteen. Sure. Morris from America, A Tale of Love and Darkness, and Collide. And then, hmm. lo and behold, I'm not even bother. Then the Sea of Trees. That that's getting it. That's Matt McConaughey as well. That's going to be a very limited release. That's a Gus Van Zant film for all you film nerds Ooh. out there. Mr. Goodwill Hunting, who's also Gus made Van Zant. He also made Elephant, Last Days, Jerry. I liked Elephant. Elephant is disturbing, it's beyond disturbing. The first, I remember I was in high school the first time I saw that movie, and I was like speechless for like an hour after I saw it. Yeah, great film, very disturbing. It's about a school shooting and it's as disturbing as you would imagine and very closely resembles columbine it was based yeah but it was meant to be yeah very disturbing movie very all right so that's our movie of the week segment when we come back we'll do our album of the week the artist is black atlas album with two s's with two s's not one wait is that right for atlas no atlas just has one s normally there's no spelling error no. on it where's there i I'm just googled atlas with two s's Seems to be a thing. Yeah, that's it. Black Atlas, Haunted Paradise. And you'll be hearing music from that album in this break. Drink Natty Light, too. Drinking Natty Lights. All right, Weekly Neurosis will be right back. Take me to California. Your body takes me to the sky. I know I'm fucking dying for you. Baby, give me yours all night Yeah Blue eyes, crystal clear And sad life, I go fears You I wanna take that ride Beat juice. Beats. <laughs> Welcome back into Weekly Neurosis. I'm Nate. I'm Ethan. We did an intro in every section. Um, this week, our album of the week is uh, Black Atlas's new album, Haunted Paradise. Ooh. So the background. Well, his debut album. Oh, dude. I didn't know. I forgot. That's, I that's, in the, that. that's in the description here. I should have read the description first. Jesus. Jesus. I didn't watch the trailer. I didn't read the script beforehand. I'm We're done. Mess. You know what? This, this is the last episode this of Weekly Neurosis. We'll We're just done. get through the section and... Uh, this is the debut album from Alex Fleming, who records and performs under the name Black Atlas. He is well-versed on multiple instruments, including uh, guitar, drums, bass, and trumpet, as well as various various sampling techniques and drum machines. Black Atlas is quite ambitious and has been recording and self-releasing music since the age of 17. Uh, this debut album was released on August 9th. Uh, the recording and production notes is that all songs were written and produced by none other than Black Atlas. Mm. So, Ethan, what did you think of this debut album? 
All right, so I had I had a bit of a journey with this album. Again, like I think it's kind of fun how in order to make something fit our theme, we kind of just can sometimes blindly pick something, right? And this is one of those cases. And I listened to this album a total of like five times. And the first two times I listened to it, my reaction was sort of like, eh, whatever. It's okay. But it it's clicked with me a little bit more. And I think it's because the first couple of times I listened to, I was like, okay, this dude is literally a cross between The Weeknd and James Blake. Now, James Blake is a very minimalistic R&B singer, which I think is a big element here, but this Black Atlas fella has a has a sort of a Michael Jackson-y singing voice, which reminded me of The Weeknd. Um, but the more I listened to it, the more I enjoyed it. And while I don't think this is like a great, amazing album, I do think it's pretty decent. I think it's pretty entertaining, although I'm not quite sure when I would want to listen to it myself, because it's a very light, low-key r&b album really yeah. it's very minimalistic it's it, i when i first listened to it i was like why did they call this album haunted paradise because i was thinking this is too catchy to be dark but it's too dark to be poppy but i do think the album is a lot more atmospheric than i was originally giving it credit for so i do think it it fits that bill yeah and I, atmospheric is kind of what i got got from it and it, it again it's, i agree with you i had to listen to it two or three times just to kind of get get the feel for it and i mean it, it was when i first listened to it i was in the same boat i didn't i was like uh eh, this is just you know another release but it did it kind of when you listen to it a second time bits and pieces kind of jump off the map you know here and there but mm. yeah I, I like the the description description atmospheric though and it is the it's just low-key too right because i i think that this guy is pretty talented and the fact that he pretty much did this whole album itself really speaks volumes and i and i'm curious to hear more even though i don't think this particular set of songs is necessarily the greatest because quite honestly most of the songs here work in part but very few of them actually rise to be like songs where i'm like that's awesome i need to hear it again yeah um i i think um so songwriting is is a big thing, but I I like the general sound. Even though again, I think it, James Blake is somebody. He the production really reminded me of. If 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 anybody's not familiar with James Blake, just look him up and listen to some of his tracks. You, you'll kind of see what I mean. It's that very sort of minimalistic, quiet um, take on R and B and soul type music. But uh, there was very few songs in this album that really stood out to me. I really think kind of the middle section of it, um, the first two songs the first two songs were permanent smile and nothing else those are maybe my two of my fit more favorite songs on the album than the songs glowing in the dark or glow in the dark holding on blonde island love summertime and tonight that whole string of songs i kind of felt like every single one of them was was interesting and had potential but they all just felt like one idea that wasn't drawn yeah, out to a and, full yeah yeah and a lot of this, I felt kind of like the whole album wasn't necessarily full circle. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe he gets there in spots, but yeah, number I think track five. I kinda, blonde. I kind of liked a little bit. Yeah, oh, and that's a great that that's a that's it's perfect. That's yeah. like the perfect song because when you hear it, when every one of these songs starts, I was like, oh, here we go, this is great. But by the end of it, I was like, oh, yeah, it doesn't finish. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. But I think the very last song in the album is is it is my favorite song. It's called Exit. But uh, I got to be honest here; it sounds like I guarantee you he fashioned the song after Radiohead's song Creep. 
The melody is almost identical to the song Creep by Radiohead. Um, and, and just the use of guitar and actually the use of acoustic guitar and sort of echoey guitar on the whole album reminded me a lot of Radiohead as well. Um, but that last song in particular, when I, the first couple times I listened to it, whenever I got to the last song, I was like, oh, here we go. This is what I'm talking about. This is a great song. And I do think that's my favorite song here. But then I was like, it sounds like Radiohead. It sounds like a uh, creep. A little bit. But, um. Yeah, overall, I think that this is an interesting and talented guy, but I don't think he's quite stepped up to the plate as as, a, as somebody who's really knocking anything out of well, the park. And I want I want to know too if he actually like recorded this all by himself, or if there's like producers tied to it, or or what? Because a lot of a lot of debut albums that you hear from artists aren't that great because they don't have the production staff behind them because they were on a pretty minimal budget and all that, but. I don't know, but even still, this guy's got to be just monstrously talented. Well, right. And, and, you know, I was actually trying to find a little bit more about this guy, too. Um, and a, his Facebook page had some interesting stuff. It sounded like it was probably written by him or a manager or something, which is fine and, and makes perfect sense. But they're really kind of pushing this guy's mix of image and sound. And it's kind of this whole holistic thing, which I could see. I think I haven't watched any music videos if he has any, and I could see how maybe it would be pretty interesting. But uh, yeah, I, I I would like to know that too. Like, how much of this did he just record himself? Because if I think he really did most of this just himself, that's really pretty impressive. Because mm-hmm. the production on the album is great. I mean, it sounds great. Yeah, and that, I mean, my assumption is there's some type of producer, like somebody else that that ties into it, but. Yeah, either way, the fact that he did all the, probably he did no doubt all the instruments because there's mm-hmm. no one else really credited that I could see. And I think it's kind of funny too how the cover of the album, it's like a like a flower or a dandelion petal or something with a yeah. black background. And that kind of one, that's one of the reasons I kind of thought of light would be a good thing too because it's just a light. I mean, there's never a whole lot going on in any of these songs. They're just kind of there, and then to see that sort of like palm—is it a palm tree? Or I—I I don't really know what it is. I don't really have a good look at it here. It almost looks like—it doesn't really look like a dandelion. It almost looks like those like feathers, like there's feathers on it. Okay, that's what I'm getting. This could be one of those like blot tests where it's like—I think it might be a palm tree or something. What do you see? <laughs> Rorschach test. Yeah. Well, yeah, actually, I see palm tree. Well, and it's kind, of, it's kind of interesting how, too, on, I, on Apple Music, it's listed under electronic music. But it's kind of tough to pin down because it's R&B and soul based as well because the singing is absolutely... To me, it was like the first thing I thought of was The weekend. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and I, I got that that too. And I got Shades of James. Classifying, like, how do you classify it? You can't really dump it into alternative because that's what everything gets dumped into these days. Right. It's not truly an R. I don't think truly, truly, by the current definition, R and B. Right. And that's kind of why I'm going to keep my eye on this guy because I, I didn't love this this album, but I was kind of intrigued by it. And yeah. I, I, I I'm going to listen to it a couple more times in the next couple of days too, just because I felt like I wasn't quite grasping it every time I listened to it. I felt like I was always missing something. Or and it's short too. It's real short um, as well. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, it was. What would you rate this, though? One to ten. You know, I don't even have a score written down. I was just kind of hoping that after we talked, I would have a score. I'm going to give it a. Uh, I'm going to give it a six point five out of ten. I'm going to go, you know, above average because I, I just I'm 
kind of fascinated. It wasn't great. A lot of the songs were just sort of there, but overall, I'm, I'm, it's decent. It's interesting. Yeah. How about you? I'm gonna give it an, an even seven. Oh, nice. I think it's pretty high. Yeah, I mean, I got I got a pretty good read off of this, and I don't know. It jump. It really. I, maybe because I went into it, and when I hit play, I was totally expecting a metal really? album, and it just kind of was like, "Whoa, what's this?" And it really jumped off the page. I think it's it's kind of an album you have to listen to the whole thing and pick little parts, mm-hmm. you know. And a lot of the songs, like you said, don't really come full circle, but they're they're good enough. I'm more interested in his next step. Right. To see what that is. That'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I, hopefully good. Yeah, I, you know, and this seems like the kind of guy who could take off too with just the right angle, the right song, the right kind of flash. I feel like he could really do something because he sounds so much like The Weeknd with his voice that if he can just bring the whole sound together for something truly unique, I think he could do something kind of special. So for sure, yeah, yeah. the talent is definitely there. Yeah. As an artist, so. Yeah. Yep, yep. So on to our uh, high-priority news items. The uh, Prophets of Rage (laughs) are getting ready to release uh, an EP of material, and the group uh, consists of Rage Against the Machine, Cypress Hill, and Public Enemy. Uh, And this release will apparently consist of live versions of well-known songs and two brand-new compositions. It's such, I mean, I I read about them, and I get the the cross-blend of, the bands kind of mm-hmm. but they i mean i don't know you look at rage rage against the machine they were kind of all based around like political injustice well, and there's hip-hop elements and hip-hop there. elements and cypress hill is all about smoking weed and public enemies old old school hip-hop i mean it's just such a weird blend i guess it's all in, in i guess maybe cypress hill might and i don't know their music very well so maybe i'm wrong here but it feels like they're going for sort of a well, with the name Prophets of Rage, I mean, they really seem to be going for a socially conscious, angry revolution type sound. And I haven't listened to any of them. Like, I when they announced it, it was kind of a big deal for a day or two. And I know they did, like, a whole tour and everything. But uh, I just thought it was kind of interesting to see. It's kind of a weird mix of It people. is. It's, it's totally... I don't even think it... I think it goes kind of to a different level of supergroup. Like, that concept of it to almost, like... I don't know, genetically impure. It's almost like a mutant band. Yeah, you know, it's, it's wacky. Like, it's crazy. I haven't listened to anything they've put out, but well, when this new EP comes out, I'll be very keen to hear their original songs. What does yeah. that sound like? Because you would imagine, I mean, Cypress Hill and Public Enemy—that's hip hop. So, I mean, there's going to be tons of rapping in the song, and then you're what you're going to have. I'm guessing Zach De La Rocha, the singer for Rage Against the Machine, isn't involved. I'm guessing it's Tom Morello. And... Yeah, I would assume he's pretty... So my guess it's going to kind of sound more like Rage Against the Machine, only with different vocalists. Yeah. That's what my inkling is, but I don't know. Kind of rock, hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Kind of, a, a, if anything, kind of like a, a modern rock version of The Roots. Oh, sure. I could see that. But then again, that's oh, totally off the, the hip. Oh, I love The Roots, too. So good. So good. Um, and then the other one is Adele Drama. At a concert recently, Adele claimed on stage that she had turned down an offer to play the uh, halftime show at next year's Super Bowl. Um, now it is being said that she never actually was offered the show in the first place. What you doing that for, Adele? Yeah, I thought Adele. this. Is, I put this in here. I was kind of confused because uh, I, I read it like four or five different articles trying to find an explanation as to some maybe even somebody guessing why. 
like why did she say this because i think pepsi is the company who uh sponsors the halftime show and they right. said no no no, we did not even offer her that so i mean who somebody's not telling the truth here right yeah it's kind of a game of game of chicken in a way of, of that but and my thing is if she what what's the obviously i don't think pepsi has anything to gain by saying like we didn't offer her but yeah well you can listen like she said something like well football isn't about like american football isn't about music so why should what i care about that and it was she's just trying to make a point uh it's kind of strange to me yeah leave football alone american adele both footballs leave them alone yeah adele what if she loves soccer i'll call it soccer for the sake of being me being cool I'd, i'd be i don't know where she's from she's in, british she's british i don't know where she's from i think she's from like the london area does that make a difference yeah where you're from it's you have your club oh well she soccer is what we're, i'm talking about the whole is she into or not into soccer i would assume she is who, who do you think she's into i don't know it would depend on where she's from if she's from london you're looking at like arsenal qpr someplace like one of those teams you might as well be speaking spanish to me yeah. right now she i don't know she if you if you actually meet a person in their english and you ask them are you from are you from england and they say yes you can ask immediately ask them who do you support and like like that they'll give you an answer they won't go political nope they'll just say it's i've had it a probably 100 plus people oh that's awesome because in america if you ask that they would give their political inklings immediately like if you the packers but no 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 they wouldn't say the packers if you ask you, any, oh yeah oh, okay if you ask just an american who would you support they would think p- politics immediately because everyone's so rooted against one another nowadays yeah that's true and over there if you ask like if someone from england you say who do you support they'll be like i remember that just recently a guy at the lion's tail brewery he was i said are you british and he said yeah and i said who do you support and he said hull city that was it. Whereas that, you're right. If I asked some stranger, who do you support? They'd be like, Hillary Clinton. Here's my reasons why. And then they would punch you in the face for a half <laughs> hour with their po- political <laughs> ideology. <laughs> my opinion's important. <laughs> no one's opinion is important except for ours. Yeah, listen to us. We're listen great. Listen to us. We're awesome. We're confusing. <laughs> that too. But what are you, what are you obsessed with right Ooh, now? Well, I am obsessed with the Black Tapes podcast which is a fantastic little horror faux journalism podcast, which which uh, I kind of fell in and out of love with in the past. But just yesterday, they uh, I knew it was coming. So I, earlier this week, I started re-listening to the entire entire podcast because the, the, the season two finale was uh, published yesterday and I was preparing for it. And uh, I just forgot how awesome it is. It's just yeah. so well done and it's super creepy that it's a very talented group of writers who've come up with a very interesting and very eerie mythos with different horror elements, possessions, demons, ghosts, you know, scary priests and scary imagery and weird math and Satan. I mean, it's crazy. It's creepy and and it's fascinating and it's something you can kind of go down the rabbit hole with. And uh, just, you know, I list, I, I'm able at work with my job. I can wear headphones pretty much all day uh, on most days. And, um, I fill that time up with music and podcasts, and pretty much all week I've been listening to nothing but the black tapes. So, you know, I kind of feel like extra paranoid because all the conspiracies and demons and stuff. <laughs> it is. They they go deep, though, on that. Yeah, it's great. Really deep. It's great. I'm into it. So what do you obsess with? 
Well, right now, an app called Top Eleven, which is a soccer, it's like the soccer version of Clash of Clans. It's pretty, me. pretty addicting. Um, aside from that, though, I'm I'm knee knee deep in um in the whole gunslinger Ooh. thing. Totally. Still in the first book. Still in the first book because I read immensely slow. No, that's okay though. But it's um, especially Stephen King. It's okay to read King slowly. Yeah, and this is the first book I've ever actually. And this is going to sound really strange. That I've ever read that just jumps around like plot wise, but mm-hmm. oh, it's good stuff. Oh, it's so good. Love it. Can't wait for the movie. I'm going to probably. I'm hoping I can finish the series. You need to before I see the movie. I don't want to spoil anything, so I won't. But I will say this: that apparently the movies now. This is going to confuse anybody who's never read The Dark Tower, and that's fine. But apparently the movies are more of a... The movies are going to be a sequel to the books, not an adaptation. Which sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Because the books have a very, very complete ending. So, think about that. <laughs> You're bobbing your head a lot, so that means... And then like... when you read, when you finally read the last pages of the book, you'll be like, Oh, shit, super cool, what? Because I remember actually when the last book... out Again, I won't spoil anything. I don't roll that way. But I remember when the last Dark Tower book came out, it was very controversial how people accepted how the story ended. It was very controversial. I, I was fascinated by it. I thought it was very creative. But uh, some people were kind of rubbed the wrong way by it. Hmm. So, uh, But it's a great journey, dude. Such yeah. great characters. And you know what's funny about even the first book is you don't even meet two of the main characters until the second book. Actually, you don't even meet my personal favorite character in the Dark Tower. You don't meet until the second book, so... Hmm. Let me know when you get there. Yeah, I'm pretty about, I've got like 80 pages left. Oh, dude. There's a chapter near the end of the first book that I've read a couple passages over and over and over again. There's a demon. There's a demon a in natty, there. Natty light. A demon. natty demon. No, there's a passage near the end of the first Dark Tower book that I must have read over and over and over again a hundred times because it was just so well written and it's so like, it blows your mind with its imagery and the conceptual things it's getting at it's just well, yeah fantastic. and this this is kind of like next level stuff for me because i i've not read a lot of books outside of like textbooks and like manuals i know that sounds really boring and it Jeez. is but um yeah this is great well and the dark tower is great too because it um i mean it's it, it the first book is a good intro because it's a short book and it's relatively simple but the world it takes place in isn't it's a very huge and like limitless world um it's just it's just fa- fa- fascinating. Yeah. Excuse me, Natty Light Demon. Natty Light Demon. Well, that's been the light episode. I don't know. What are you doing next week? I don't know. I, I'm honestly intrigued by... Actually, I'm not really that intrigued by War Dogs, because I, I already feel like I know <sighs> I what that's going to be. I feel like it's the perfect time to do an Obsessions episode. I think so, because next week, when you see a lot of movies coming out, usually it means it's a weak crop. Well, and I know they're re-releasing Saving Private Ryan, but I don't know if I want to go see that. I mean, I want to go see it, but I don't know if I want to talk about it on the podcast. That would be a really serious podcast. Yeah. What album would we pair that? That would be unfair to pair that movie with any album. I think that would have to be like a standalone. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. We'll have to play it out. So we're TBD at this point. TBD in Toto. Great band. Great band, great song, Africa. Great song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That was a long night that night. 
we'll have to tell that story sometime. We are considering possibly getting together this weekend, though, for a random recording. Where we drink more than we usually do. Like, way do. more than we nor- normally do. Maybe, we'll, like, do hilarious commentary to some random movie. That'd be fun. It would probably We would probably have to pick something that's on Netflix, though, so people could listen and, like, watch the movie along with us while sure. we make fun of it. sure. I've heard some podcasts where they do that. It's kind of fun. Yeah. We'll just set the, like, we could even do the studio upstairs, set it up upstairs somehow. I guess we don't need to be as conscious with the quality if we're kind of just slumming it. Yeah. If As long as we put the affidavit at the beginning that, you know, we're kind of just screwing around here. <laughs> yeah, we could even do the, like, I don't know if I'm going to bring them back the USB mic. We'll see. We'll think about it. We'll figure it out. So we got a lot of, we got a lot of thinking to do, folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotta jazz up the studio a little bit. Yeah, I think we should definitely finally do that. We've Got been, some blank green slates. We've been talking about doing that for like <laughs> for since seven the months. Beginning. 31 episodes later, we're still... That's at least 31 weeks, but we've missed probably four or five weeks yeah. every now and then, so... We're appro- we're approaching a year. We're getting there. Well, okay, well, we actually... I, I think it's been about a year since we first had the talk about doing a podcast. Yeah, and we sat in this room. Right, and then... It wasn't until, it was later, because it was, I remember it was October, which we're getting close to, that I sat down and I created the page and stuff, um, and I remember I, you remember when I did that? I'm trying to, I can't remember exactly, I think it was October. Yeah. Because after we had talked, it was sometime in September and October, but we didn't actually record until November. Yeah. Because we recorded one or two episodes before I went to Hawaii. And then I left right away, remember? And we right. took like two weeks off then because I was gone. And that's coming up on a year as well. So, yeah. It's got to be close. One year. Wow. Yeah, dude. Crazy. Yeah. Still going strong. Doing it. Still doing it. So anyhow, it's been the light episode. Next week, who knows? It's the light episode. Lights out. Go see it. Black Atlas. Haunted Paradise. Give it a listen. See what you think. For sure. If you don't like it after listening to four tracks, just go listen to something else. Yeah, you impatient person, you. Yeah, I will say if you like singles, a lot of people, there's a lot of single listeners out there. Like they listen to single after single after single. This is not an album. For Only you. listen to the song Exit. <laughs> That's my That's pick. That's it. Great song. Get Natty Light. Just try it. Ugh. Give it a shot. I'm sick of it after the amount of yeah. Natty Light we drank here. Ugh. I used to drink more Natty Light well, in a single setting because this oh, yeah. beer tastes awfully familiar. It does. Brings me back to one town of the town of Oshkosh. Tastes like a dirty, dark basement <laughs> with us with some fat guy pumping a keg. Do do do. All right. Once again, it's been weekly neurosis, the the light episode. I'm Nate. I'm Ethan. And everyone, please take care. Said I got you, love. Tell me I can trust you and put you on top, my love. You know I want forever. Told you that I want you, I never stop, my love. You know that can haunt you, it never stops, my love. You know I want forever. Living in a haunted paradise, mixing 